Go ahead and have a seat. Well, because of the way that we do things around here, we can't avoid the tough passages and maybe passages of Scripture that we sort of like to skip over. And one of the passages that we're going to look at today is one that, that very often in the Christian church we kind of skip over it because it is a tough, 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 difficult passage to handle and to process as a follower of Jesus. You know, we're spending the summer looking at this marvelous Word, this Hebrew word hesed, chesed, which, which is described for us what some Old Testament scholars call the central characteristic of God. And we've seen how really, rather than a word, hesed is kind of like a world. It just captures all of these amazing attributes of God, his faithfulness, his mercy, his loving kindness, uh, his immense love, all of these, all these covenantal faithfulness, all of these words. Hesed is kind of a word that when you read in the Bible, it's sort of like a magnet. And it, it's so big and huge, it has to attract other words to it to help fill out what it is. And so we're looking at this hesed, this great stuff. And we saw last week, if you have family camps on, that hesed is, is a reason to party. We can party, I said, because we have a God of Hesed. But today is a little bit different. This word Hesed is going to be sort of the key to interpreting a very, very difficult passage of Scripture. We're going to figure out how to do it. Now, to really understand what's going on, what I want you to do, what I invite you to do, is I want you to think about a time that somebody hurt you. Somebody repaid your goodness for evil. Somebody who absolutely shattered you. Somebody who's in a position to help you, but instead they ground you into the ground. Somebody, I'm not talking about, you know, just somebody who cuts into your line at the grocery store. I mean somebody who, who, who came to as close to devastating you as your family that you can possibly think of. I want you to think about that person, and then, and then here we are, we're going to pray this prayer of David. Uh, I was going to have us all read it out loud, but some of your gentler hearts said, no, 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 you can't have kids praying that prayer, because who knows what they'll take away from it. So we won't do that. Instead, I'll read it for you, but here's how it goes. Let's look at it. My God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. This is slander. This is gossip and slander. They have spoken against me with lying tongues. With words of hatred, they surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, my goodwill, they accuse me. But I'm a man of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. Let somebody who accuses him, that's the word for Satan, let he be his right hand guy. When he's tried, let him be found guilty and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few, in other words, I hope he dies. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. This is quite a prayer. This is our opening song this morning, a song they used to sing them, right? May his children be wandering beggars and may they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize everything that he has and may strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend hesed or kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. 
May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord and may the sin of his mother never be blotted out. Let's go both directions in this family here. Wipe out the kids and the parents. May their sins always remain before the Lord that he may may blot out their name on earth. Forget about them. Wipe out the family. For he never thought of doing hesed, but hounded to death the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. He loved to pronounce a curse may it come back on him. He found no pleasure in blessing, no blessing may it be far from him. He wore cursing as his garment. It entered into his body like water, into his bones like oil. It became kind of who he was. May it, the curses, may it be like a cloak wrapped around him, like a belt that is around him forever. May this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil of me. But you, sovereign Lord, help me for your name's sake, out of your goodness, out of your hesed, out of your kindness, out of your love, deliver me from this attack. For I'm poor and needy. I can't fight back. And my heart, my heart is devastated because this is somebody I counted on. I fade away like the evening shadow. I'm shaken off like a locust, something unwanted, something disgusted, something that's a curse. My knees give way from fasting. My body is thin and gaunt. I'm an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they just shake their heads. Help me, Lord, my God. Save me according to your essence, your unfailing love. Let them know that it is your hand that you, Lord, have done it. You've saved me, you've cursed them. While they curse, may you bless. May those who attack me be put to shame. But may your servant, that's me, may your servant rejoice. May my accusers be clothed disgraced and wrapped in a shame as in a cloak. With my mouth, I'll greatly extol the Lord in the great thong of the worshippers. I will praise him. For he stands at the right hand of the needy to save the lives from those who would condemn them. Hmm. Wow. Is that in the Bible? Can we pray those prayers? How is that for an opening song for a worship service? Because these are the psalms they used to sing their prayers. These are hymns of the heart. What is that cursing? What's the word hesed? This, this marvelous, beautiful word we're looking at. What, what's that doing in a psalm that's like this? And, and how do we process that as Christians? And we put it beside Jesus' instructions to love our enemies and to turn the other cheek. How in the world do we put this together? And what's that doing in the Bible? And does it have anything to do with who I am and who you are and how we should live? How do we put this together? Now, three people... Uh, sort of help me process this psalm because we can't skip it out because it, it's central to Hesed. Uh, the first guy that helped me out there was Michael Card. And Michael Card's kind of, uh, he's, a, he's a theologian, but you know, he's a musician, he's an artist. That's kind of the main thing that he is. And then another person that really helped me with this is Bruce Walkie. Bruce Walkie is an Old Testament scholar, uh, sort of a little bit, you know, to the center right theologically. Greek guy, one of the most humble teachers I ever had, and he's just absolutely brilliant. He's one of the translators of the NIV. And then the other guy is a fellow by the name of Walter Brueggemann, another Old Testament scholar, and he sort of 
center left left a little bit further and so sort of I try to look at this psalm through these three lenses sort of from an artistic uh, emotional expressive way from a little bit from the from the left and a little bit from the right and I've tried to weave together what this has to do with Hesed and what in the world does it have to do with my life and how I process things when somebody does me dirt how do we do it this is a song that David wrote one of his prayers that he put to music. And it's during a time, obviously, of deep, deep hurt and betrayal. Now, the problem is, we can't really figure out exactly what the circumstances of this were. You know, when I started thinking about this and reading about it, it's quite amazing that David was actually betrayed and, and treated this way by, by a good number of people. He could have written this, this psalm. He could have prayed this prayer when Saul was pursuing him. Remember, remember, he just did good to Saul, right? He sang songs for him. He did all these things. He, he was a, a soldier for him, all those things. And Saul instead decided, I'm going to kill you. It could have been when his son, his own son Absalom, decided that he was going to rebel, that he was going to usurp the throne and throw, and throw David off. It could have been the agony of the betrayal of, of a child that you've reared and, and, and loved. It could have been uh, about Joab, his, his military general, that fought battles for him, that kind of turned against him at the end of his life. Michael Carr, he has a little bit of a different perspective. He says, uh, this is actually a psalm that when, when David was king, he showed Hesed to a guy. He showed kindness to a guy and made him some kind of a governor, some kind of a ruler, somebody who's in authority. And then instead of using that authority, instead of using that position to pass on Hesed, to pass on goodwill, to pass on mercy and loving kindness and so on, instead he used that position for his own advantage and impoverished other people and oppressed the poor for his own advantage. And now David David is saying, I showed you Hesed by giving you this position, giving you a shot of being a boss, being a supervisor, being a judge, being whatever, and instead of helping people, you crushed them, you didn't show Hesed to them. And so now I'm somewhat ticked off. <clears throat> so we don't really know all of the circumstances. It, it could have been any one of those. It could have been everything put together when David just is sitting there one night and thinking about all the people that have done him dirt when all he did was try his best. But what we do know is that there's a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of anger, a whole lot of solidarity with people who are hurting. And he expresses it to God in prayer and in song. Now, I always try and boil things down to one sentence that we can just kind of cap with us. And this is, this is what I sort of came up with when it comes to this psalm. It's this, when hurt, turn to God, not on people. Turn to God, not on people, right? You know, don't, don't turn on me like I just turned on me. No, when we're hurt, when we're devastated, when we, we face and, and, and the victims of oppression and injustice, or when we see it with people around us that are loved, the idea is that what the psalmist says is, listen, turn to God in these circumstances, not against people, not onto people. All right, so let's see how this works out. There's kind of three things that help me sort through this psalm, okay? Three things. The first one, is that prayer is the place for pain. Prayer is the place for pain. I mean, you can feel the pain in this psalm right off the top, can't you? I mean, those first five verses are just agonizing, aren't they? The people are the wicked and they're deceitful. They slander me. They lie about me. I've been a guy that's been good to them and they've just treated me with hatred. You can feel the agony in his heart. Now, one of the difficulties perhaps that we have with this psalm 
is that for many of us, we've had, we've had hurt. We've all had hurt in our lives, I'm sure. But not many of us have had the absolutely devastating hurt that some people do. Most of us haven't seen our children raped in front of our eyes as marauders or soldiers or armies pass through. Not many of us have had our family senselessly murdered. Most of us haven't had all of our assets and everything that we've built up in all of our life stolen and taken from us by somebody powerful and there's not a darn thing that we can do about it. And we live in a society where, where there's some hope, there's some hope for, for, for justice in our courts and in our political systems. But in this psalm, it's the system. It's the people in authority. It's the people in power who are doing the injustice, who have become the oppressors. And so one of the things that's difficult for us in this psalm is that we think, you know, we're talking about somebody that just cut it off in traffic when he's talking about stuff that absolutely ravages and destroys lives. And one of the uses of this psalm is to put ourselves in some kind of a solidarity for people who are in that spot, who have experienced them. It's, it's, it's sort of a bit of an, an insight, a window into the circumstances that they have so David has this absolute agony, probably certainly more agony than I've ever experienced in my life. And in the midst of this, he said, but I'm a man of prayer. You know, it's kind of a funny thing. I don't know why it took me so long meditating and studying this psalm before that really stood out to me, even though I was going on. About, I mean, the, the problem is the horror of this being a prayer, of somebody who is a follower of God expressing these kinds of feelings and carrying them in their heart. Some of you perhaps haven't had that kind of anger and some of us have sort of experienced it where you, you not only want to kill the person but let's take out his family too. But once I got past that I realized that this is a man in absolute agony who could take vengeance who could, if he wanted to, take vengeance and go out and kill everybody that hurt him. Who could, in fact, go out and wipe out the entire family. Who could do all of the things to this person that he's praying that God to. He's David. I mean, he had an army beside him. He eventually became king, depending on where he was in his life. He could have taken this vengeance. But instead, he says, instead of doing that, I am going to pray. I am going to turn over this agony, this devastation, this anger, this frustration, this rage. I'm going to turn this over to you. I am processing my pain with you, Lord, knowing that you are a God of Hesed that you are faithful to me even in the midst of my pain. You are my covenant partner and you promise to care for me in these circumstances. And I am trusting you to do what is right when this stuff is happening to me. I'm going to take this pain, I'm going to take this rage that I feel, and I'm not just going to express it to you, but I'm going to submit it to you. Now, here's the key. Here's the absolute key. It's not just to, to express this rage to God in prayer, 
But in this act of prayer and in this act of worship to say, Lord, I, I'm not only processing with this you, with you, I'm not only expressing this to you, but I am submitting it to you. I'm going to give it to you because I'm going to trust in your hesed. I'm going to trust in your covenant love. I'm going to trust in your friendship. I'm going to trust in your devotion to me that in the midst of this horror, you're going to do the thing that is right. Now, here's our problem. Some of us are like Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah? Story of Jonah. There's this, this nation that's wiping everybody out. There are killers and so on. And God says, hey, you go there and you preach to Nineveh and you tell them you shape up. And so Jonah does. And what do they do? They shape up. And remember what Jonah's response is. He is ticked right off that God did not wipe this city out because of their evil. Instead, when they repented, God said, oh, okay. And Jonah's like, I knew this was the kind of God you were. I knew you were the kind of God who delights in showing mercy to those who repent. And now look what you've done. So part of our problem with processing this in prayer and then, and then submitting it to God, not just giving it to God, is that God may well forgive that person and bless that person instead of doing to them what we wish. But if we're going to process this properly, and what's going on in this psalm, is that David is saying, I could take revenge. I could do evil. I could wreck this person. I could undermine them. I could do those things. But I know I'm not supposed to. I'm a man of prayer. So I'm giving it to you, God. And now you do it, God. And God may well do that if there's no repentance on that part. Or he may well say, you know what? Jesus is going to pay the price for what that person did to you. That person who abandoned you. That person who undercut you. That person who betrayed you. The person who goes around there telling slanderous lies about you. I'm just going to go ahead and let Jesus pay that price. That's a little hard to take. But through prayer, the Holy Spirit can bring about that change in our heart. As we process our pain and our rage and our betrayal with God and submit it to him. There's the old saying, right? Say much to God and little to people. Say much to God and little to people. In other words, you, if, if we process this stuff properly with God and we submit it to him, the next time we see that guy or that woman that somehow betrayed us or we hear that they're continuing to do this, we don't have to fight with them because we've submitted it to God. This whole thing of, of processing in prayer, our pain and our rage, it protects us from two very, very damaging things. First of all, it eliminates the danger of suppression. Because you see, when we've got this kind of hurt, when we've got this kind of anger, when we've got this kind of rage, if we just sort of say, well, you know what, it's not that I'm so much a, I'm a man of prayer, it's that I'm a nice guy, I'm going to be a nice guy, Christians are supposed to be nice, so, so I'm just going to push that down and I'm not going to feel what I feel because I'm not supposed to feel it, so I'm not going to feel it, and so I'm going to push this down because I'm a nice guy and, you know, uh, you know, I'm a preacher and so I can't say what I really think to this person, so I'm just going to push that down. And you know what that is? That is like... Uh, Ulcers, depression, because suppressed anger, depression, like this whole thing. So, so when I can, when I explain, when I recognize this, God, I'm getting, I'm getting shafted here, and I am filled with rage. I want to destroy this person. I don't really want to destroy them. I want to take out his parents and his kids too. When I can process that, it, it stops me suppressing it and pretending to be a nice guy, and instead my guts get eaten inside out. 
But not only does it protect us from the dangers of suppression, but when we process these things before the God of Hesed, it also it protects us from the expression of rage which can destroy other people and ultimately us ourselves. You see, if we, if we go into a conflict situation, if we, if we just respond in rage, people get damaged. Relationships get destroyed. Reputations get ruined. And so this, this processing with God, expressing it to God, means that I don't have to express it to other people. Prayer, this kind of prayer, and if you're gifted, you can put it to music if you want and sing it. It's got to be like death metal, you know. <laughs> this kind of prayer helps us process our pain and our rage with the God of Hesed. Second thing that Hesed shows us through this whole psalm is that God's Hesed his faithfulness, his covenantal faithfulness, his mercy and love and kindness actually includes justice. It includes justice. I mean, so far we've sort of looked at Hesed and it's all been butterflies and rainbows. And, uh, but this is, this is kind of the hard edge of Hesed. Because God's Hesed includes justice. Justice meted out either to a person or to Jesus. But there's, there's justice that takes place here. Now, Psalm 109 it's an example of what they call imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory psalms. And, and what that word means, the fancy word, it just means curses. It just means it's one of the psalms. There's a bunch of them here in the Bible. And Psalm 109 is one of the prime examples where it just seems like I, I'm going to call curses down on people. The worst one for me is, the, I can't remember which one it is, but it's like, okay, blessed are those that smash the children of the infants of Babylonians' head against rocks. That's kind of a rough, kind of a rough thing. So the, these, these psalms are in there, and this is an example of one of them. So what in the world, how do we process that with, with this Jesus that we follow? Bruce Walkie really, really helped me with this. He says that, no, no, these psalms should not be called those kind of psalms. These are not psalms of revenge. And he said there's a big difference between revenge and avenge. Revenge and avenge. I, I didn't know what the difference was. He said these are songs that talk about avenge. I didn't know the difference. I had to look it up. And so here's the, here's the difference I found. To avenge is to seek justice. To avenge a situation is, is that a wrong has been played, a wrong has been carried out, and so, and so it needs to be dealt with. It needs, to be, it needs to be done. Revenge has much more to do with retaliation and inflicting harm than justice. It means it, it's kind of like to go beyond, beyond justice. The example they gave I thought was a great one. It helped me really understand. It says, listen, uh, her father avenged her death by working to have the man arrested, tried, and convicted, while the boyfriend took revenge by killing the man's family. Do you see that? Do you see the difference? Okay. And so what, what Walkie's saying is that this is a psalm where God is being asked to bring to avenge a wrong done to bring justice into the situation. You see, there's, there's moral outrage here about what's going on. And the truth is, when Christians see an injustice, there should be moral outrage. There should be a cry out for justice, for things to be different. One of the problems with our society is that, it, you know, we've got, sort of got this idea that nothing's wrong and everything's going to be okay. 
Moral wrong should be met with moral outrage. And we won't go into the technicalities of things, but one of the things that, that's happening here in this psalm, you've got to do a whole bunch of linguistic stuff, but, but it's, it's David the individual standing in solidarity with the poor and the oppressed. You see how sometimes he talks about I, and then other times he talks about this group of people, and he's sort of representing the group of people? And so what he's doing is he's standing in solidarity with those who have who not been done. We see this in verses 12 and verse 16. May no one extend hesed or kindness to him or take pity on his fathers and children. Why? Because he never thought of doing kindness to other people, but it hounded to death the poor and the needy and the heartbroken. You see what he's doing? He's saying, listen, this guy shouldn't get hesed because he didn't practice hesed. Justice needs to happen. Justice was not being done by the social structures that God had set up. And so God who undercurrents these structures, is, David is saying, listen, if you are a faithful God, you're seeing this wrong. You're seeing how kindness and mercy and rightness and, and these things are not being done. And so God, you've got to step in and you've got to bring this about and bring justice. Walter Brueggemann, he, he, said a, he points out an, an interesting thing, which, which I didn't get, but when you go back and you read the psalm carefully, you see it. He says that, listen, if you read this psalm, if you read this prayer, you'll see that there's a precise match between guilt and punishment. The things kind of line up. The one who does know hesed shouldn't receive hesed. It becomes clear that the psalm is not excessively vengeful, but it just says, Lord, Give this guy treatment in kind. At first reading, it seems that this is a really, really bloodthirsty song. But when you read it more carefully, you sort of get over the shock that you'll see that there's all of these matches that take place. And this is David calling out for God to do what is right. Verse 12 points that out. He loved to point out so he looked to pronounce a curse, and so may a curse come back from him. Verse 12 is kind of interesting because, because he says, listen, there's two reasons that you should do this, God. Number one is because of your namesake. That means your reputation. And we've all had that, right? We've all heard people say, how can God allow this to go on? How can God allow that to happen? And some people have even given up on God because they see injustice. They see people being crushed. They see women and children being sold into slavery. All of these different things. And you, we hear people say, how can a God allow this? And so David says the same thing. Lord, your reputation is, in, is at stake here. And we need you to act. And we need you to bring about justice. And this person who's doing evil. Let justice meet his evil with equal judgment. The prayer, this prayer, this song, is not so much a personal vendetta. He hurt me, so spill his blood. It's not so much a personal vendetta as a just response to evil and need. And he's saying, God, your reputation, your hesed, your covenantal faithfulness, because you are faithful, you are in covenant with the weak, you are in covenant with the oppressed, you are in covenant with the downpression. And so your covenant faithfulness demands that you change this circumstance and bring about some kind of justice. And because the social structures that are set up by you are not carrying that out, we need you to come in and bring about some more direct action. That's really what this prayer, this psalm is all about.
Third, third way to process this psalm, this prayer, it's to understand this. That in God's scheme of things, hesed is necessary for a good ordering of life and society. If society is to run as God intends society to run, Hesed must lay at the heart of it, even as Hesed lies at the heart of the character of God. You see, a large component of Hesed, a big part of the definition of Hesed, is that somebody who is in power does something for somebody who is in no power that doesn't have the power to change. It, it always begins this way, and then there's a bit of a reciprocal relationship that takes place. But it starts off with somebody who can do something, does something for somebody who can't, just because of kindness, just because of love. One of the great examples of, of, of Hesed is, is when guys are dying and they say, do Hesed to me and take my bones and bury it over here. A guy, because a dead guy can't bury himself. That's, that's Hesed, and the word is used for Hesed. And so this whole thing is that what God's saying in this psalm is this, is listen, if society is going to work, there are some of you who are going to be powerful. There are some of you who are going to be extra competent. There are some of you who are going to be put in a position of power. And some of you, you're not going to have the abilities. You're not going to have the position. You're not going to have the status. You're not going to have the whatever. And you're going to need people who are powerful to take care of you, to do hesed for you. Even though I suppose technically you couldn't demand that that would happen. If society is going to run in the way that it should, those who are in positions of power and authority must do kindness to those who are not. Hesed is to use whatever advantage one has for the sake of the weak. And that's what was going on in this, in this psalm. Those who were in a position of advantage were not showing hesed to those who were disadvantaged. And so this psalmist is saying, so God, you've got to pay them back. You've got to show them what that feels like because that's the just thing to happen. I've got a big long quote here, but, but I, I wanted us to read it because... I think it's really, really important for us. Okay, here we go. The moral sensitivity of this psalm contrasted with our usual dismissal of it. In other words, it sounds to us at first like this is an immoral song, doesn't it? It doesn't sound very much like Jesus. And we get kind of horrified by it. It's like, what are you talking about? Make the children beggars, destroy, what in the world? So the moral sensitivity of this psalm contrasted with the usual dismissal of it is rather remarkable, Brueggemann says. The condemnation is based on a lack of solidarity with the socially marginal. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying the whole point of this psalm is that those who had social power didn't look after those who didn't have social power, right? The poor, the needy, the ones who are unable to sustain themselves politically or economically are dependent on the active on the doing something on the part of the powerful not just oh yeah that's too bad they're in that's why no no hesed is is always a doing thing it's those who are socially powerful for whatever reason doing something for those who are not in power that is the only thing that makes a viable social process possible that's what this psalm is saying that there were weak and vulnerable people 
and those in power refused to do hesed. They made selfishness oil that sank into their bones. They became selfish. They became to understand that they were given in this position of power and authority for whatever reason because they deserved and these other people don't. Instead of understanding that, no, we who are in these positions powerfully, in whatever way that we're powerful, God gives that to us as a gift that we would show hesed to those who are not powerful in the way that we are. We must ensure that whenever we can, we do hesed. We do kindness. We do mercy. We do faithfulness. We do loving kindness. We do faithfulness for those who are dependent upon us. We ensure that the structures of society do that too. We do it personally. And when we see, like the psalmist does, that the structures are failing, we must do what we can to bring correction to those structures. Because those structures, governments, laws and those things, what does what Paul tell us? He says that God puts those things into place actually to bring hesed to society. That's really what they're supposed to do. And thank God we're in a democracy and we can, we can, we can influence these things. So, what's our response to this psalm and what's our response to pain and rage and injustice, whether it's done to us or to people we love or to people that we just see? I think a couple of things. Number one is I made to make sure that I do hesed. That I show kindness and use whatever advantage I may have for the sake of those who are not an advantage. To care for other people. And I need to do whatever I can to make sure that I do that individually and as a church and socially and in the judicial system. That we try our best through prayer and action to put hesed at the center of our social structures and our lives and our families and our friendships and our workplaces. And number two, when I'm hurt, when I get some of those feelings, which sometimes I do, a little less than I used to, that I turn to God of Hesed and not on people. That I turn to God and process it with God instead of bringing it against people. We process pain and injustice done to us with the God of Hesed calling upon his covenant faithfulness, his love, his Hesed to bring about what is right and then we leave it with him to bring it about. Perhaps through us practicing Hesed when we can. Let's pray. Lord, we have this uh, song, Come As You Are. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the song sort of thinks about being full of shame and guilt and have wandered far from you and this sort of thing. And, and, and we're so thankful that you 
you are a God of Hesed and you welcome back those who are wandering. But Lord, sometimes the way we are is full of anger, full of rage, full of disbelief, full of hurts. And it embarrasses us sometimes the thoughts that we might have about people and about circumstances. But in your Hesed, you invite us to come to you with these feelings, with these questions, with these expressions and desires of anger, and even revenge, because we need you to turn it into a prayer of avenge, where there is justice. <clears throat> But Lord, we need, we need the faith to believe that it's right and good, that, that maybe that justice is served not by the person, but by Jesus taking that person's sin and wrong against us upon himself on the cross and, and to be okay with that because that's what you do with our wrong. That's what you do with the stuff that we do that's not hesed. So Father... We come before you today just as we are, and, and maybe, maybe down in the depths of our heart there, there's still some resentment, some anger, some hurt, uh, some nasty stuff that we hold against people or institutions <coughs> that we just need to process with you. So Jesus, we invite you into these circumstances. Because you're a God of Hesed. You're faithful to your covenant. And in your mercy, you still ensure that one way or another justice is done because Jesus, you, you took all of that wrongdoing. So help us to process this stuff with you. And, and, you know, many of us have got kids or grandkids and nieces and nephews and <laughs> reading through the Bible with them to come upon these weird psalms. And it's like, okay. But help us to use those opportunities to allow kids to, to, ex, to explore these things that, that happen in the hearts and not to suppress them because we want them to be good little boys and girls that, that just sort of end up tight and mixed up, but also not to, not to encourage the expression of rage and, and violence, but to, to process this stuff with you um, so it can be done healthily. But if we're going to do that, you need to help us to do that in ourselves first, Lord, and for that mercy we ask through Christ our Savior. Amen.